Yeah, I'm really excited for the new Assassin's Creed. I'm not going to play it, but I just I, I love that show Vikings on the History Channel. So this looks kind of like that. <laughs> Yo, this is Vector. Hey everyone, this is Days Ahead. And I'm Nitroid. You're listening to the Kojima Frequency. Do you think we expect too much? Do you think E3 has set expectations far too high for this kind of stuff? Not for me. Personally, E3 has been a disappointment for the past decade, so... Really? Even yeah. the Even the, the Final Fantasy VII, the... The well, Shenmue 3, the Last Guardian, all like bang, bang, bang one. That was a good Wait. year when they did that. Uh, in retrospect, the Shenmue 3 thing was like, I felt like it was a bit like extortion, but that, that's another topic. The Kickstarter bit. Yeah, I, I remember audio. I was, okay, so true story. I was sitting about eight rows back from the stage during that conference. And when they when the words Kickstarter showed up, you could hear like audible groaning everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Did any of y'all yeah. play that Shinmu three? No. Nope. Why would I? Why would I? You know, well, I did because I, I love Shinmu. Shinmu one. Like that's. I mean, that's. I played the first two and back on you know Dreamcast and then the second one on the on the Xbox when that came out. But uh, right. This was yeah. It was a total Kickstarter project, and it just it it was an embarrassment to the series i've like, heard I, I went into it with a positive outlook like this is oh no like it, it was just it slowly sank in and then i don't want to spoil the story but that was like even bigger of a letdown uh yeah we're still no, where it, we it, started you know that's there's no pegs have been moved really except for a couple little yeah i, I I was not interested in what they did to the combat system because the first two games, uh, it was kind of like, uh, you know, Virtual Fighter. Fighter. Yep. And I love Virtual Fighter. And so, you know, like an open world type game where it was like a beat em up with Virtual Fighter style combat, I'm, I was all about that. And then whatever they did with three, just it wasn't up my alley at so all. So it wasn't so the same at all. It. They didn't. I've heard a lot of fans of the first two say that the third is kind of, you know, it's janky and dated, but it's it also feels like it's like a Dreamcast game with a fresh coat of paint. Pretty much. It just didn't feel good. Like a lot of the uh, you could assign like shortcuts to a lot of the, the special moves. And the, the dumbest thing that they did was that your health and your stamina were like tied together in this energy mechanic. So like if you ran and sprinted anywhere, it would drain that. It would drain Whoa. your health. So then, if you ran and started a battle, you only had two dots of health, and it was just like that why sounds can't infuriating. These be two separate meters. Yeah, it was it was awful. On Kickstarter, uh. I've heard that big publishers will sometimes use Kickstarters as uh, a gauge to see how much interest there is in a product. One hundred percent. Yeah, so that's that's the, uh, been been done. Okay, so like you know, Shenmue Three comes in and and does their Kickstarter, and that's obviously not all of the money that it takes to develop it because games need far more than that. But if if it does right. well, then the publisher's like, okay, we'll we'll throw in. Yeah, generally the Kickstarter will tell the potential investor, here's guaranteed half the sales. If you front the rest of the money, then you know, and we double these numbers, then you'll make your money back. 
So that's how that's done. Yeah, that makes sense. I feel like the way that they structured like the rewards within the Kickstarter and like them adding little things to the game because they hit a certain level, like them focusing and looking at it that way is another big factor of why it was just a failure. Because they were like, oh, we added a mini game that's uh, you pick a color and you have a one in 25 chance of picking the right color. It's like, cool, man. <laughs> I, I guess I'll exploit that later to get some easy like, but it just it didn't need to be there, you know. It's just like, man, these are all not very good additions. So, Nitroid, you also mentioned the Last Guardian, which was another disappointment. Oh, y'all are on some shit, man. And, <laughs> and the other, the third game you mentioned from that E three was FF seven, which, uh, hey, fingers, Did you, yeah, I finally got What's, it. <laughs> I haven't What's the situation? It. I'm on. Oh, okay. I'm on chapter ten. So you get this. Yeah. Boo. Hurry it up. But can we talk I about? Want to spoil it? Can we talk about this for a bit? The Final Fantasy VII. Go ahead. I got. I got to make a quick. Yeah, but you haven't finished. I got to make a quick defense of the Last Guardian here because it is by and large one of the best PlayStation Two games I've ever played. Yes. Yeah. That game was very <laughs> janky, and the dog didn't do whatever the hell I told him to do. Yeah, but, but, it, the dog. but it had so it much dog. character. You got to give it that. It did. It was heartwarming. Like, I found myself being like, oh, 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 shit. Oh, no. Oh, no. Don't kill me. Uh, okay, you're good. Like, I have like a whole exchange of me talking to uh, Trico. That, on, that game on was yeah, so mired by delays and corporate meddling that yeah. it's hard to tell what it would have looked like if it had come out the way it was intended, when it was intended. But. You know, it's also kind of hard to follow up a game like Shadow of the Colossus. Right. Truly. Yeah. The Yeah, the AI was like, it was like a bug or a feature type with the dog. It was like, is he learning? Is he just being stubborn? Or am I not doing the right, right cue yeah, around him? It that, was, that was part of it that was a little frustrating, but was, also just kind of like... I was going to say, it was dog. obfuscated enough that you weren't sure if the game was being smart or stupid. Yeah. But then by the <laughs> yeah. end of it, you were so frustrated that you didn't care. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's a problem. It was, it, you know, I had a good time with it. I though, did too. Overall, I, yeah, I, it was definitely not a perfect system. So, FF Seven remake. I know we're we're gonna get to I'm, Metal Gear eventually here, but yeah. But I'm finding myself bored a lot. Really? Um, oh, really? Yeah. Like they, that was sarcastic, by the way. Yes, you. This game's boring I, in a I'm lot not, of places. Like, even in the the slower sections in the original, I just like I don't even know what I'm doing in a lot of the times. I'm just like, wait, what's going on? Like what? It, and the side quest, the filler stuff, ah, that's like some of the worst shit I've ever done. My gripe yeah. game, was with the game. I, I enjoyed the game quite a bit. Um, my biggest gripe was that I felt like they had this battle system that is so close to being absolutely stellar, but they never give it room to breathe. Yeah, and the, and the AI never uses regular attack and builds up their ATB, and that's bullshit. Well, I kind of get that because they wanted to keep it a bit closer to what FF7 was, where you have to issue yeah. the primary commands to each character. So, like, on that level, I sort of understand why they did that. Yeah, I just wish I had a gambit system of sorts to just be like, hey, be more aggressive, or hey, be more you know, defensive or something. But they're just kind of useless right. when you're not in control. Um, yeah, small completely gripes. useless. And and how are you going to make a motorcycle scene boring? Like that first motorcycle <laughs> thing, I was like, ah, this I don't know. It just something about it wasn't hitting the the way that you had to accelerate to like catch up and stuff. It just it didn't feel good. I I don't know. I'm I'm still haven't beaten it. I'm just I've got some dissonance with it where I'm like, oh, this isn't good. You know, back on the original, these segments didn't exactly have stellar controls either, but they didn't outstay their welcome. They were just kind of one and done. 
you were hopping around so fast between different modes of play, different set pieces, that you never really had a lot of time to kind of get to know these subsystems except through repeat playthroughs, and by then you were already sort of emotionally attached to it all. So in in this game, it's like every tiny little thing that was in the original is expanded out to a ridiculous degree. And so right. you get to experience more of it, but you also get to see all the glaring flaws at the same time. I think you, you nailed a point when you said the, the set pieces. Like, that's something that I'm really missing in this game. That was one of the really cool things about Final Fantasy VII was how much they played with perspective and where your character started on the screen. And you had to hit start and be like, where the hell is Cloud? Oh, okay, there he is. Okay. Um, from there, like, you just had this mix-up. Whereas when I'm playing behind the character and just like running in this, you know, fixed camera system, I'm like, ah, this this all feels samey. It's weird. It it somehow also feels. This is the most ironic thing about uh, Seven Remake. And again, I know I'm criticizing it, and I said I really liked it, and I do really like it. But um, somehow, despite the fact that they've expanded everything in the game outward and 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 blown it up to to ridiculous proportions it feels smaller than the original. It does. It, yeah, that's another part of it that I'm like, man, I'm not even hitting the main beats. <laughs> and I am and I know I'm not talking about like leaving Midgar and going out into the world map. I mean, just Midgar alone in the original feels larger in scale to me than, than the remake. I think it's perspective too. Yeah. It's just like each screen you're loading, that's that the set pieces of like seeing that big, that I remember that one crane scene where you're like hopping along the crane, you got to go up that one, like you could get lost on that screen if you didn't really know what to do. Um, do you know what I'm talking about? Um, it's like the, it's when you're, like, are you talking about when you're climbing the plate? Yeah, and there's like all the the different perspectives that you're going through. But yeah, I don't know. It's it's just like this engine that looks great. Like I love looking up at the plate. Like that's really cool. Yeah. I like doing that. It's everything's beautiful. But yeah, it's something about where it's like they they've taken the important parts and and ex- expanded on some of them, but they're in different places, and it's just, uh, it feels really weird to me. I haven't There I haven't, like, is arguably some sort of, eh, I don't want to get into spoilers here because you're not far enough, but let's just say that their approach to this may have a point. Yeah, I, I, yeah, and I can kind of see where, where it's going to go in that regard, but I don't know, man. Games are not hitting the same right now. It's weird. They haven't for a while, and I don't know if that's just because we're getting older or what. This is going to sound, I know this contradicts a lot of what we talked about uh, in weeks past, but I've been getting really into Resident Evil Resistance. Um, I saw that. It's, it's janky as hell, uh, but the, RP, the the build system, the um, it's sort of like an RPG system. Mm-hmm. Um, it has a lot of variety in terms of both the survivors, the four players that you play to escape, they play like over-the-top shooter, um, and the masterminds who sort of like the killers in Dead by Daylight, but with a little more agency. They focus on, like, setting up situations and scenarios where the survivors can't make it through. Um, And it's interesting because each mastermind has their own specific characteristic. So, for instance, like, Spencer, um, you know, he has he's known for Spencer Mansion, so he's focused on a lot of traps. One of his traps is actually the the red laser trap from Resident Evil 4 in the movie. Oh, that's cool. Uh, that's a one-hit kill. <laughs> yeah. And then, like, Annette, she focuses on, like, hoarding down people with an army of zombies, and she can summon William Birkin, which is pretty cool. But, yeah, that has a lot more depth than I initially thought, and I've been 
Not because of the quarantine, I promise, but I've been a real Resident Evil kick lately. I was so disappointed after the single player that I honestly didn't even touch Resistance. I tried to log in, and my I don't know if it was my PlayStation or the servers, but I just like would not connect to that Resident Evil server. I don't know. I, I would have played it. And I am having fun with the uh, the Predator game, because it's pretty much that same type of asymmetrical stuff where it's, you know, three normal people or four normal people against one very dangerous thing. And, you know, you're going around putting mud on your on yourself to like so he can't use his thermal vision on you and you upgrade and get different guns as the fire team and you get different uh, weapons as the predator as you level up on that. So, you know, what I would like to see is a game that kind of takes these mechanics, take it and apply it to Terminator, but make it a three player game. Uh, Put it in sort of a, um, a a semi open world, have one player be the Terminator one player be the the protector, the Kyle Reese type character, and then one Ooh, player be the other person is like the Sarah Connor or John Connor type nice. needs protected. But none of but there are other NPCs in the world, and the three players don't know who each other are. Oh shit! <laughs> that's actually really that's a cool idea. That's kind of like the uh, didn't Assassin's Creed do something like that with the multiplayer where like you they would kind of blend in with the crowd. Yeah, Watch Dogs you didn't know did who the too. Enemy was. I was just thinking about Assassin's Creed's multiplayer recently and how I wish I could play it, but uh, of course, the servers are offline. There's um, there's one game, I forget what it's titled, but the idea of the game is everybody has like a specific component of this bomb or something like that, and only certain people can look find certain aspects or manipulate certain aspects or components of the device. So they can only see, like, I could probably see only, like, parts A, B, and C, whereas Vector can see, like, D, E, and F. And so I'll get a command that's, like, shut off E, but I can't see E, but I have to tell Vector, hey, you need to shut off E, and so on and so forth. Oh, hmm. so they're um, kind of blind to what the, the bomb that's actually cool. is, I see. Have you seen, um, this is an older yeah. game, I think it came out, maybe not that long ago, I know it was in, it was in beta for quite a while, but uh, it's called Spy Party. Have you ever seen this? Yeah. I think I backed that on Kickstarter. And the the premise is that there are two players. Uh, There's one player who is uh, just a random character inside of a party in a room. And there's a a bunch of NPCs all moving around, all doing different random things. And then there's another player who is an assassin. And he's a sniper with one shot. Oh, I have seen this Yeah, and you have to watch for the player that you think is the spy in the party and, and shoot them and get the right person. So the player on the inside is trying to complete the, the objectives without getting caught by you and acting weird, and and the other player is trying to pick out which one's which. And so it, yeah, it's you're trying to like act like an AI. Yeah, and it gets really psychological because a lot of the the NPCs are are coded to act somewhat randomly. So it's it can be difficult to tell. Yeah, how could we uh, apply this formula to Metal Gear? You would <laughs> have one person to, well, in a Rex or one person in a in like a Gecko or something. Well, I have always deal. wanted to see a Metal Gear Online variant where where you had somebody controlling a Metal Gear and then the other players try to take it down. That, that's oh, that sounds pretty the perfect cool. recipe where this type of game sounds like. I was just gonna say like a sniper. You know, I mean, do that that same thing, but um, or like remember in uh, like Snake versus um, or was it Soldiers versus Snake? Where you have one character who's Snake, and then everybody else was like, like you know, I don't know what I'm talking about. Forget I said. Anything. I get what you mean. Where where one person is is playing as Snake, and they have their own objectives, but then you still have the two teams fighting against each other while also trying to take care of Snake. Right. 
Yeah, no, I was thinking in terms of like, you do the same exact thing. You do Spy Party, but you just reskin it with Metal Gear. And the cool thing about Spy Party is that I, I don't think that the guy copyrighted the gameplay. Because some people, like Nintendo, that's something they would try and do. Is, is copyright a, a style of gameplay so that nobody else can do it. But you could totally, in the future, if there was another Metal Gear Online, you could absolutely have a spy party mode. I think that'd be awesome. Was it Nintendo that had the um, the patent on... Sanity effects? No, it was um, mini games during loading screens. Nintendo didn't own the patent, but some guy did, and he ruined it for everybody, and I hate him. I think that expired. Dies. Uh, it did. Days, you were going to say something, and I totally, I totally cut you Nintendo off. Nintendo has a patent. Oh yeah, no worries. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, Nitro did. <laughs> uh, I the was thing is, say, is that I mean, sorry, no, I just had to completely <laughs> circle. Go ahead. I'm an asshole. We had a crossover for uh, for Monster Hunter with Peace Walker, right? So right. I'm I'm still waiting for a Metal Gear Rex and like Monster Hunter. World. I have been saying that for ages. I want so bad to see the Gear Rex in Monster Hunter. Yeah, they could just put the, cool. the, the gear wrecks. Yeah, that would totally just fit right in that world. They wouldn't have to jump through too many hoops for that. Yeah, or or right. finish the gear array that they never put in. That would be cool. Okay. Yeah. What do you guys think of... Uh, did, did anybody look at the Last of Us leaks? Yeah, I did. Did anybody spoil I it? I did. Everybody yeah. did? Yeah. What about you, Fingers? <laughs> nobody, nobody waited? So spoiler warning if you are uh, avoiding that. Are we going to get into spoilers, I mean, or, or should we just do opinions first? I think opinions, maybe. Yeah. I'm not a big fan of The Last well, of Us, so I wasn't really too bothered by it. But, but right. I mean, I, I get why why people are upset at it. It's, it's definitely like a rug pull, but it's their right. game. They can do what they want. Um, I had more of an issue with, with a lot of the allegations of, of uh, staff abuse, yeah. So, and everybody was thinking that the leaks were because of a disgruntled employee and this was revenge for, you know, for all that crunch time. And, and, you know, and some people were even speculating that it was because of the, because the game was delayed and employees were mad about that, which I didn't understand at all. That I still don't get it. Why would you be mad that you, oh, I guess because you have to do more crunch time. I don't know. There's a lot of information floating around around this, and it's hard to tell what's true and what's not. Yeah, yeah it, well, they definitely it, seem to be in damage control mode, where they're just like, ah, well, it right. wasn't us that did the leak. Uh, the, yeah. the outside source. Well, wasn't there famously a huge amount of crunch for Uncharted Four? Yeah, I mean, any Naughty Dog game. Like, we're just now finding out about but it. Four was like almost completely rewritten after it was finished, or or something like that. I see. I don't know the full story, so maybe I shouldn't comment. Yeah, I'm not. I wouldn't be surprised if most games don't go through a major rewrite halfway through development. Resident Evil and 2. I did. feel like there's. Oh yeah, no Resident Evil Two, Resident Evil Four, Resident Evil. There's three different versions of Resident Evil Four out there. Three. So. Uh, yeah, I knew. No, literally. I knew three. about the like the the hook man psych like the the psychological one, yeah, and yeah. I I didn't know there was a third one. What was the third? I don't. Oh wait, 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 wait! Remember? I remember now. Yeah. It was um, ah. it was a uh, uh, early version of Resident Evil Four ended up becoming uh, Devil May Cry, right? No, that's not what what I meant. But um, well, there was from what I understand, you know, there was the Hookman 
version where they had the fixed camera angles like the classic games and uh, a majority of the game took place on a on a giant plane which i thought was um, like just a great idea um devil may cry did start off as a a resident evil sequel uh, some people were in internally at capcom they were saying it was going to be four and then it morphed into something radically different so they had to change it but no like Shinji Mikami's Resident Evil 4 had three different versions or two versions before it became the one we know it for. Oh man. At least I'll have to, I'll have to look up and see. Cause I, there was definitely a version where you fight zombies uh, and then it got changed to uh, you know, the, uh, the, the plague infected Spaniards. So yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna have to check that out. I didn't know about that. I mean, so uncharted having a rewrite, and here's the reason why I was thinking about this recently, you know, because looking at the the leaks for The Last of Us 2, that's the story is I it's it's not good. And that's a, a lot of people I've seen are mad because that's just a bad plot line. And I feel like it it sounds like the type of plot that got a major rewrite after they had already done a ton of work and I think the reason behind that was because they the story that they were telling it didn't have enough gameplay involved or it wasn't tied to the gameplay in a meaningful way so they had to scrap a ton of ideas and they had to go with something relatively cliche it feels like a really cliche story in 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 my well, eyes the first one wasn't exceptionally original either but it was something that was that Not was strong all. in execution right uh, like i said i'm, yeah, not, I'm not really a big fan of of the last of us it just didn't just didn't click for me but do you think that this is something where because these scenes are being shown in isolation out of context out of the flow of gameplay they're coming off worse than they would be if you were actually playing it i, I don't personally no not at all fair enough hearing yeah. like oh they mgs 2'd it and no they absolutely <laughs> didn't no, Th- that that would be if 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 you played Snake for if the tanker was fifty percent of the game and then right. all of a sudden like you cut to Otacon, he opens the door, Ryan is beating Snake's ass. Okay, then- that's a major spoiler. We are now officially in spoiler territory. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We're getting there. Oh, whoops, a doodle. Never. Mind. I don't know if you want to have have like an alarm sound. You should do like a like the the, the alert sound. Spoilers turn back. The, the game suddenly becomes Tiger Woods PGA Tour. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty well, much no, the no, scene from Walking Dead with uh, Negan. Uh, it's, no, yeah, it's, it's more like that. Yeah. I wish I wish it were a Tiger Woods game, like you know, press X to cave skull in. But <laughs> I saw they were they were like custom naming. Uh, I don't know if it was like World of Warcraft or something, but it was just like some MMO uh, item. And it was like a golf club, and they were like naming it like <laughs> well, a lot of the Abby Slugger or something like that. I don't know. The comparisons to MGS2 really kind of demonstrate how little people understood why that was there in the first place. The whole I definitely didn't for decades because it's um the comparison's always been drawn back to like Big Trouble in Little China and how Kurt okay. Russell's character is not the main character in that in that movie. Right. He's just the one you follow and you're seeing things from the perspective of kind of an everyman. And yeah. and there's a bit of that in play in the Metal Gear Solid 2. I think Big Trouble in Little China was actually cited as one of the inspirations for this, if I remember right. But 
the the whole idea of making you play as Raiden was so that you could view Snake from a different perspective. It did not... Here's the core difference. Playing as Raiden did not diminish Snake. It elevated him. Yeah, it made him look more like a legend. Right. You're like, damn, he's good. Like, I'm trying to pull this off from over here. Yeah, it's definitely a different case than what we're about to dive into with The Last of Us. But I can see why people would say that. It's like, oh, on the front of the box, it's these people. I'm expecting to play as these people. Oh, they switched. You know, like, I can see what people are saying. But, yeah, it's definitely different takes on it and different reasons why. Well, maybe it's not a different reason. Um, So the reason why Abby, this new character they're introducing, kills Joel is because Joel murdered her Abby's dad or mom or somebody who was working for the Fireflies, you know, trying to work on a cure. Yeah. So, I, you know, the per- the point they're going for, I feel like, is to, you know, well, if Raiden is meant to elevate Snake, then Abby is meant to de-elevate Joel. Because for some people, and I've, I've been reading some comments the past week, people saying, you know, like, why would I play this game if they kill off my favorite character of all time. Cause for some people, like I'm not the biggest last of us fan either, but for some people, the last of us is their entire world. Yeah. Like that, they, they, they were introduced to, to video games through this game. Yeah. It, you know, this is like the only game they've ever played for some people. Joel is, is their, you know, their entire reason for existence. Joel's their uh, solid snake. Yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and hey, Troy Baker, I'm a massive fan of Troy Baker. That guy's voice is so melty. It's it's ridiculous, butter. right? And it's it's pure butter. And I say that as a heterosexual male, but I'm just saying, you know, given the right opportunities, Troy Baker, you know, just hit me up. I'm just saying. Look, point is, for some people, Joel is he's like the second coming of Jesus. And so, you know, people are saying uh, you know, why would I play this game half the game as this person who killed the love of my life uh, or the equivalent, the video game equivalent of that? And and that's understandable. But, you know, I, I feel like the point that people didn't get from the ending of The Last of Us is, uh, you know, Joel is not a good guy. He makes a decision at the end of the game to essentially doom all of humanity. He is he's not something you should look up to or. You know, he's he's a very flawed man. And maybe that's the point with Abby. I don't know. I still think it's a bad idea to, like, if you're going to tell that story in the first game, then, you know, I don't think the, the consequences of that choice that he makes at the end of that game should be what they've made this character Abby to be. Correct me if I'm wrong, because I don't remember the end of the first game too well, but... You uh, essentially have the choice to shoot or not shoot the scientist in that room, correct? I don't think you do have a choice. I think it's part of the I, story. I remember like seeing that like you could pull the trigger on that scene. If, if it's the case that you can play the first game's ending and not shoot any of the scientists, then it sort of loses its effect for anybody who didn't shoot. I mean, yeah, most right. people did, but some people didn't. Yeah. I think it was the type of situation like the end of MGS3 where it just hangs there and you don't have a choice. It's it either you pull the trigger. 
You either pull the trigger or you just stand there for yeah. hours. And same thing with skull face. It kind of just would, would hang there unless you unless you pulled it. But then eventually Kaz just grabs the shotgun and blows off. Yeah, skull there's Face's a legs for there's you. a lot of weird inversions of not to not to kind of derail here, you know, in a in a Metal Gear podcast. But um, there are some interesting inversions of of imagery from Metal Gear Solid Three and Metal Gear Solid Five, and that's one of them where the shooting skull faces is, is very clearly meant to parallel and contrast with when you shot the boss in MGS3, right? Yeah. And and they hmm. they kind of take that in It's interesting how you put it because in in MGS3 they 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 give you that agency and you don't know you have it at first. And so when you realize you have that agency, you almost don't want it. Right. MGS5, yeah. they're very clear about the fact that you have that agency and they and right. they make you try to take it, but then even if you choose not to, it's it happens anyway. Yeah. Um but it is slightly different too. Yeah. That that is one thing I did like about it that Kaz is like, give me that shit. Right. <laughs> um there's another point and and this is a little more contentious. Um and and let me know if anybody if any of you got the the same feeling from this that I did, but you know that awkward as hell Jeep ride? Yeah. Oh man. Right. Yeah. So when I played that, that struck me almost as kind of a counterpoint to the latter scene in MGS3. Right. Where I was just yeah, I knew where you were going yeah, with that. Yeah, the latter was kind of an intermission. It was it was kind of taking a breath as you moved from one stage of the game onto the next. Okay. Yeah. Um and it was meant to kind of be cathartic, you know, just like, oh, okay, relax for a minute. And then let's go again, because it, it it happens directly after the battle with the end, and that's you know first time through that's pretty grueling. So the game kind of gives you a reprieve. In MGS five, yeah. it's very it's that same sort of duration of nothing with music, but it's very uncomfortable and unsettling and tension building. So I I, I just feel like there's there's some weird little reflections going on there. I mean, that would be great if, like, I was the one driving the Jeep, and I don't know if Skullhead had a gun to the back of my head, and I don't, I mean, there's better ways to do it than how that was done. Uh, I just, well, I mean, maybe, maybe they were hiding a loading screen. There's, <laughs> it's just, that the execution on that was just piss poor. The song just should not have been there. That was like the the either the speech or the song needed to leave. Like they should have just sat. But him doing that and then the song starting up, it was just like oh oh, oh this is where they put the song. Okay, it's, uh, there's sort of another like that song. Uh, interesting little little mirroring slash inversion of of things from previous games. And again, it's kind of that taking away of agency thing. Um, is the ending to Metal Gear Solid Five where it's almost the complete same rug pull that MGS2 did with Raiden, except the difference is that in MGS5, Venom embraces the false identity and Raiden throws it away. <laughs> right. <laughs> Good point. So I don't, I don't know. There's it, like It mirrors a lot of these things, and whether or not you can say that's like intentionally trying to make a specific point or it's just Kojima reaching back and grabbing things from his previous games, neither here nor there. Yeah, well... No Metal Gear game has you play as a character who kills a character that people like. So, but, you know, Metal Gear 1, Last of Us Zero. Well, I mean, 
retrospectively, it, it you know, retroactively, oh, it kind of does. Okay, good point. Good point. <laughs> yeah. Okay. You got me. You got me. You got me. You caught me dead to rights. But, but I mean, yeah, it's not the same. Okay. Thing. It's not the same thing. Yeah. You, you really need to, if you, you're going to do that, Last of Us, and it's too late now. They, it's not like they can go back and change the story, but maybe they will. Last of Us 3, you know? Part three, they'll retroactively be like, hey, actually, Joel's still alive. I don't know. This was just a clone. We don't know. <laughs> there's there's a new strand of cordyceps virus that, you know, makes functioning people that look exactly like the original. You, you know, they could do a bunch of stupid shit. Or maybe it's just a but, bad dream that Ellie's had. <laughs> that, that's the you, worst, you know? Wes. I know. <laughs> it's funny, though, that you mentioned Metal Gear Solid Five because, again, it, it all goes back to execution. Where I felt like the execution of this, from the knowledge that I know, so I could just be ignorant of the leaks, um, I thought it was very poor. I mean, if they had angled it in a way where, like, okay, they introduce you to Abby, you're fi- trying to figure out where Joel and Ellie are, uh, you see some hints here and there, and then they show, oh, Joel has been this bad guy all along to Abby. I could see that working, and, and how it would go to the greater message of the cycle of revenge. But when you introduce Abby with with such conviction that she's killing a main character who like you said was like their lord and savior since 2012 you're you're already right. setting a bad precedence like so this is an interesting uh point to raise because the idea of you have a beloved story and the follow up to that story the first chapter is the death of the main character from the previous story and your introduction to the new character is that they are the person who killed that previous character. If this were a creative writing class, on paper, that flies. It really does. <laughs> um, so the question is... See, there, there's a lot of questions here. Is this the kind of thing that we should kind of have more of an open mind to in a game? I mean, if, we're, if, if, if the contention here is, oh, I like this character, and you did a thing I don't like to the character... Uh, that means it's bad, or or it's going to make a lot of people who loved this character angry. Therefore, it's bad. Like I'm, I guess you, you kind of see where I'm coming at to this. I, I'm I not- do. What if I added the word um, unceremonious? Because to, to to counterpoint what you guys were saying about people like not wanting Joel to die, I feel like at least from my conversations with my Last of Us friends, people were expecting to Joel Joel to be some sort of martyr. What they weren't expecting was Joel to be so unceremoniously killed and then immediately jumping to the character who killed them. So maybe the real question isn't about whether or not it's rather than unceremonious. I would say that the problem you can be unceremonious with uh, with sacred cows. You know, that is an effective tool in writing, but. The problem is that so much of writing now is reliant on, and I'm going to use the magic phrase here, subverting expectations. Oh, there it is. Right. Yeah. So it's it's just, it's become tired. You know, it's, it's rewind to Metal Gear Solid 2 in 2001, and that's not really something you ever see in video games or popular media in general, at least not, not on the scale that it's kind of you know, taken today, but, um, now it's like literally everything does that. I was going to say, and, and subverting expectations is sort of the greater picture of Metal Gear Solid 2's message. It complements it rather than it being sort of like a, I almost want to say that subverting expectations has become weaponized against fandoms. It's writ into the DNA of the franchise. 
So if I can weigh in here, I, um, I don't think that Joel's death in this game is unceremonious. Um, it happens at exactly the midpoint, uh, which is, you know, the major turning point in any story. Uh, you know, we say three act structure, but it's actually four acts. So Joel's death marks the, the beginning of the, the third act. And that's when the, the character switch happens. They released the, um, I don't know if you guys saw the, the list of the levels and, and they're actually named. So the first half of the game is, is Ellie. And then you switch to Abby. The, uh, the, one of the trailers, and I, I did a video on this trailer. Um, I thought that the character that dies is Ellie's girlfriend, Dina, but, um, but it's actually Joel. So, um, like they, they show this, it's a pivotal moment in the trailer and you hear Ellie screaming, you know, and she's like, no, don't. And then you hear a gunshot. Um, the gunshot is obviously replaced by a golf club, but, um, but this is clearly a huge moment, uh, in, in Ellie's development. But then, you know, they, they do the bad thing and they switch to a character that we have no connection to. It's kind of, it's this character feels, this character Abby feels like she's being shoehorned in because she's retroactively related to the first game, but, but we don't have any of her character development. We just all of a sudden are playing as this character. And that means she has to have her own journey that also has to intersect with, with Ellie's. And I don't think it doesn't, uh, the, the, the right story to tell I felt was, you know, Ellie needs to know or eventually learn the and maybe she will i don't know i haven't seen this part but i feel like ellie ellie should learn what the choice that joel made and and one of the reasons why i don't feel that i mean joel is definitely a bad guy but that doesn't mean he's bad guy you get what i mean <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like uncut gems you know it's like that guy's yeah is a bad guy but not bad guy like, I, oh yeah. no that guy in uncut gyms he's, <laughs> he's terrible and well, every, <laughs> everything that happened to him i cheered yeah. <laughs> but no joel the, the choice that joel makes at the end of the last of us he decides to to save ellie and essentially doom the rest of humanity because he's alone and you know he he saw one of his daughters die and he spent the whole game trying to prevent uh, trying to prevent himself from getting attached to this other, like this surrogate for his daughter. Cause you know, he's blocked him- himself off from emotions. But then at the end he realizes like, Hey, you know, I, I deserve to, or maybe I can have a family again. And, you know, and, and for very selfish reasons, he, he decides to, to keep Ellie for himself, essentially like as a pet or as, you know, as, it, yeah, like I said, it's it's for selfish reasons. I would say well, there's an alternate killer, read to right? that. I, w- I would say there's an alternate read to that. And I'll just say this. When you have kids, you're, you will literally do anything to keep them safe. It's, it, Absolutely. That kind of a story does hit differently when you have children. Oh, I, I mean, I'm sure. And I don't have kids, even though I've been preparing myself to have them for 30 years. That's another story. But... Like he spends the entire game trying to push Ellie away, yeah. you know, trying to not get close to her because he doesn't want to go through that pain of losing a child. Yeah, uh, it's right, I'm, and, so, and you can see it yeah. too as him by 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 that point he's viewing it almost as a personal redemption arc. You know, I couldn't protect my daughter last time, but this right. time it'll be different. Right, so, and that's what I mean. And, like it's a it's a selfish thing that he does, but he's still. 
is kind of redeemed in a way. So even though he did, he made the wrong choice. It was still an under. It was a relatable it's, choice. Yes, it, yes, which I don't think makes him a villain. I mean, yes, they were going to kill exactly. Ellie to do the experiments, right? Like right. They had to. They had to kill her to do what they were going to do. So he was kind of like, I, no. If I recall correctly, and I hate that I know this much because I really don't pay attention to the series as much as a lot of people do, but I think there was also some document in the game that suggested that. Um, the success rate for fireflies was incredibly low. I mean, if not right. impossible. Yeah. It's a very weird direction. They took it. And with the leaks that are out there, uh, with that video, there was no sound, correct? It was just like the video file there was sound. I didn't actually see the video of Joel. I, just, I saw the, actually the video I saw, it had Abby holding the, uh, the golf club and Joel was still alive. He looks up and, you know, he looks Ellie in the eye. So I didn't actually see, I saw a screenshot of like the, the hollowed out section of the back of his head, but yeah. you couldn't even tell that was Joel. Maybe the one that I had, or just the one that I saw was muted. I, th- I thought that, that it didn't include the sound, but, uh, there were a few different versions of the same scenes okay, that were leaked. Like I saw yeah. one that was completely in a different language, for example. I don't. I, I don't like all these leaks happening. I hate when when people data mine shit and they like you know <laughs> tell the whole community like, hey, there's this in this game. It's like, man, they're, they're going through so many like <laughs> things to keep this a secret and then like make it a reveal and you're just gonna be like, Bleh! and just like put it all out there. <laughs> I hate. Well, this without shit. those data miners, we never would have found out about the uh, that nuke cutscene in MGS Five. Uh, I think with with that they were planning on releasing that part. That was when the nuke you know the new count uh hit zero we were supposed to see that yeah but. yeah but when was the new count ever gonna hit zero when pc players stopped fucking around right um, in other words never, never. well yeah. that was on console arguably you could pull it off but i think yeah we got close a couple times you know i it's close, kind of but a t- no cutscene. i think it's a kind of a testament to how clever a mechanic that was the yeah. fact that it was never gonna get solved it that's kind of making the point Especially if you had adamant parties on the other side of like, no, we are not, you know, going to get nuke free. We're going to do everything we can to keep nukes yeah, around. It was, like there, I remember there was that that group. I forget what they called themselves, but uh, it was like the Metal Gear metagame chef's kiss. You know, like that is yeah. perfect. Of all the things yep. MGS5 did wrong, that was something it really did right because it perfectly illustrated the difficulty of nuclear disarmament. Well, Neil Druckmann wishes he yeah. was Kojima. <laughs> I will give mm. them that, like, when it does come to execution on a lot of those in the in the first Last of Us, that game, like, had had me, like, shook up a little bit on a couple of different scenes. I was just like, whew, man, that, that hit hard emotionally. Uh, of course, the daughter scene at the beginning, uh, that one guy that just shoots himself, uh, like, all of a sudden. What, what, didn't his kid die or something? His, I barely remember. His brother got infected. Yeah. It was like this. I just remember him blowing his like, brains out. I was the like, oh, second my he shit. saw his brother, he was like, I'm done. Yeah, I, I said that out. I was just like, "Holy shit, this game!" Like, wow. In that, in like you know, it, so it hit nine out of ten times when a kid gets killed in a movie. I feel like it's just emotionally manipulative. But I I normally don't feel that. That's in the in the Last of Us, the way that they pulled that off. I don't know if it was just like the the actual crying sounds that they did, but I was like, "Oh, this is this like guttural feeling of like this hurts." Like, oh no. Uh, uh, so I think if they carry that same kind of energy to some of these scenes, like it can still make us feel weird things and go through all the emotions. But so, yeah, I'm not trying to like invalidate anybody's emotions with The Last of Us, but 
when I did see those scenes, like, and maybe this is because I've seen so many like horror movies growing up or whatever, but I felt like it was very derivative. Like it was derivative of your classic, like tragic horror apocalyptic tropes. And, and maybe that's just me being cynical, but I had to pull myself away from those moments emotionally because it felt like they were just taking tropes that have been effective, if not had diminishing returns in the film industry or the film writing. And they just put it in a game when nobody else has done that before. That is exactly how I felt. I completely agree. And we were talking about that a minute ago. You know, uh, Nitrate, you mentioned it. Is this something that we just, you know, forgive because it's a game? Or do we demand better? I think, you know, hmm. Do we need more story-based games that are less derivative of films? Like, how, how do we approach that question? I do think that, to a degree, we should stop chasing films. Right. And I... Yeah, the short answer is the first one. You know, it's... The first thing you said. The gaming industry has been trying to chase the film industry for a long time, but in a weird sort of way, the the games industry has kind of shot past the film industry, at least in terms of the bottom dollar. Oh, yeah. And yet, video games don't... they, They don't demand the same respect that movies do, you know? No one is going to look at something like the Game Awards with anywhere near the same level of respect as they might for like Sundance or Cannes, for example. You know, it's just they're they're completely different types of media. And yet, for some reason, despite the fact that games have have really like the strongest foothold possible in the culture, they still seem to want to get that shining star of respect that films have like if we could just get there then we'll you know we'll be a serious thing instead of just a toy and we don't need to do that just stop stop you you, you've won just stop the second you stop trying to get everybody to take you seriously and you do your own thing without a care in the world is when they're going to take you seriously and they're going to have fun too like playing the game probably where you're like trying to just that's that's like the one of the worst quotes was like, yeah, I wouldn't call this game fun. Stop it's trying like, to make games oh. that are going to win Oscars. It's never going to happen. Yeah. You know, it, it could happen. It definitely feels like they're trying to like push the envelope like uh, like The Walking Dead did with Negan. It's just like they're trying to get that same like discomfort out of this particular scene. It's just like, yeah, you're going to sit through this gore fest. It's going to be great. Somebody you like? Yeah, they're going to die in front and, of you, and you're going to witness it. I was going to it's, it's funny that you, you say that they're chasing um, films, because I feel like in the way they're chasing him, it, it's almost like they're looking at it in a vacuum, where all they see is, is Oscar bait, all they see is, you know, what can we, what can we build to, to have cultural reverence like films, but... The movie industry also has, you know, they also have indie films that are, you know, sometimes comedy, sometimes horror. They're not always Oscar bait. They have blockbusters. There are all these different experiences beyond just emotionally reverent Oscar winning film. Right. And and nobody seems to embrace that type of variety in video games, especially since there's there's a whole nother dimension that we could look into with, with the agency and interactivity of video games. Movies have no fear of going just about anywhere from the most obscene, disgusting, shocking material possible to just like short little nonsense experimental things. The range in films is insane and, and there's nothing they're chasing. They're just seeing like, what can we do next? You know? And in games, when game designers stop trying to be that 
that, like you said, that Oscar bait. Um, and they just kind of experiment with the medium is when we get the, the coolest things ever. I have 10 times more respect for Untitled Goose Game than I have for The Last of Us. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think I think uh, for me, a large part of that specifically is the time sink. Like I can watch an indie film and or like a, a more experimental film that deals with intense subject matter at the most I'm losing two and a half hours with a game. It's not just about like the actual length of the game. It also, there's a, a, a ton of investment just turning the game on uh, and, and you're having it load and, and, you know, going through the menu until you actually are playing the game. That's it. It takes, it's a lot more than just flipping on a movie for me. Uh, and then once you are actually are playing the game, you know, people demand to have a game of like a video game that people pay money for. That's only even if you're only charging 10 bucks, people don't accept the fact that a game can be two and a half hours and then you're done with it. It's got to be it's got to have replayability or, you know, it's got to be a minimum of, of six hours. And if it's less than that, then it's a waste of time. And so that's one of the things that prevents games from being more experimental is just just the time investment. Yeah, they've got the product factor. And, you know, just to just to clarify what I meant earlier, I'm not saying, you know, that people shouldn't make the type of games they want to make. If somebody wants to make that Oscar bait game. Do it. Great. But when yeah, li- literally every major AAA studio is chasing that, it just like we could be doing so much more with it, you know, with with the medium. Right. And, and for a long time now, indie gaming has been running circles around AAA in, in terms of creativity right. and innovation. Absolutely. Just Without a, a doubt. damn game. And, and yeah. yet I still, still hear people being like, oh, well, what's what's the Citizen Kane of games going to be like? Oh, just please shut up. I don't I mean, I wasn't able to sit through Citizen Kane. I feel like most film lists will give you the Godfather Part two was the greatest yeah. film of all time. So, you know, has video games had had that? I think we I have think there are more terrifying uh, but, questions to ask, like what's going to be the solo of video games? <laughs> oh, my God. Come on. Why you got to bring that up? They got that one game uh, with, like, the dicks and the butts, and you got to put the dicks in the butts. Oh, yeah, genital, yeah. genital, like... Jousting. Genital jousting. Yeah. I was going to say more like agony, but, you know, maybe that's better. Uh, maybe. Did you I see remember, agony? I remember hatred. But during the whole, like... Oh, right, game. hatred. No, not yeah. hatred. Hatred, yeah. That was controversial. That was during the Tumblr days. <laughs> I remember that. I was like, oh, somebody's making an isometric shooter. That's interesting. Oh, that sucks. Yep. Well, long story short, or to wrap this topic up, because I don't think it's it's worth talking about much longer. Uh, yeah, no, Last of Us has a problem in that it is trying, it's, it's trying to be Oscar bait or it's trying to be the walking dead of games or, or, you know, it's, I think when you have zombies in your game, you're clearly not, not playing with a full set of marbles. I don't know what the term is, but it's, uh, you know, it's been done. It's been done to death. Literally, even if you put a new coat of paint on it and call it like, uh, you know, clickers, parasite mushrooms, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, cordyceps. It doesn't. You're still messing with zombies, and MGS5 had zombies, and we we saw how that turned out. 
So if Last of Us was more of a game and less of a movie, and I've talked about this in the past, I will watch a Last of Us movie. I'll give you 20 bucks and you can you can give me all the cutscenes. You can leave the game out because I have better games to play that don't try to distract me with these half-assed Oscar wannabe cutscenes. And at the end of the day, I can watch a movie that won an Oscar. So if you're going to make a game, just do that. Jack and Daxter was perfect. <laughs> That's the takeaway from this whole conversation. Jack and Daxter was perfect. Jack and Daxter. It was pretty damn good. Yeah. Make that. Good balance. Naughty make dog. Jack and Daxter. <laughs> Thank you. Moving right along. <laughs> uh, I'm on Facebook and I found this picture of uh, the shopping cart theory. You guys hear about this? Mm-mm. So the shopping cart theory apparently is a test for for people who are capable of self-governing. And so if you have somebody who returns the cart to the, the cart return, uh, they're yeah. and like, you know, will you do the right thing when no one's looking? With uh, no, and, no right. repercussions if you don't do it. Yeah. I've seen some of that lately. The yeah, cart. that's the shopping like, cart is uh, basically the new trolley. Uh, yeah, you got to pull what? the switch. It's like, will you put the cart back? Pull the lever. Even though nothing will really happen if you don't. Yeah, I feel like games are the games do that a lot of the time. Where like EA, will EA do the right thing when no one's looking? Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. They're just they're, they're going to chase profits. Who who does the right thing when no one's looking? Devolver Digital. Devolver Digital. I agree with that wholeheartedly. Good good call. Yeah. They absolutely will. And the right thing is Hotline Miami. And they stopped it too. You don't need to make a third one. Yeah. They said, you make yeah. your own third one, damn it. Right. They gave or you a level you editor. Got, uh, like, hey, have fun. They literally said, <laughs> like, they're like, yep. Yeah. <laughs> You make it, Or bitch. Katana Zero. They'll make a Katana Ooh. Zero. We're not going to, yeah. Yeah, we got DLC coming for Katana Zero as well. It's like, that's on the way. So, Man, I, w- I really want to play that game some more, but I don't think I'm going to get a chance because of all the other things that are going on, like uh, The Last of Us. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward, I'm really looking forward to a Ghost of, uh, Ghost of Sushi Ma. Ghost of Sushi? That does look good, too. You go to Sushi Ma. Can we go to Ghost of Sushi Ma? Hey Ma! But that's uh, going back to Katana Zero. I think that game's five, maybe six hours. You know, and it's like I played that game and I I took my time. I didn't want to finish it because I was having such a good time. And then I just like went back and played a couple levels at a time, and then it was over. And I was like, damn, that was good. But it's six hours, like maybe. And then they have a they have a hard mode with speed runs and different weapons you can unlock. So and there's DLC on the way. Perfect. Like, is the, is that, that a game? I don't know, but it, it's fine well, for much, twenty bucks. Like that's for you know, twenty for, bucks. Okay, yeah. that's an indie game, giving me good content, good story. Awesome I think style I paid and eight soundtrack. for it. Yeah, I paid eight on a sale. See, okay, there's a discussion that may be worth having, like the value of software. You know, because there's this one game that came out called Brigador. It's like a it's an isometric mech game with a custom engine, they they decided this this indie team of like two three people decided not to go with Unity. They decided to build their own engine from scratch because they felt that the their gameplay demanded a custom engine, and so it wound up costing them. They they spent five years developing the game when it only should have 
it only should have taken two. And then they released it and they charged 20 bucks for it. Everybody on Steam said, this game is not worth 20 bucks. It's more like a 15, it's a $10 game, 15 max. I would, I think this game is worth this much. And so the lead developer went on social media and he basically just complained and he said like here are all the things that cost more than our game and one of those things one of the things that he listed was a nickelback poster <laughs> on on a nickelback poster on Amazon for like 26 bucks and he's like you can you can buy a poster a nickelback poster on Amazon for more than what we're asking for our game and then he he listed one of the reasons why he they priced it at what they did was because they built that custom engine and they spent five years developing it. And, and that really bothered me because like if, if we, if you base the price of games on how long they took to develop, then Duke Nukem forever, when it came out should have cost $800,000. You know, final fantasy 15 should have been, you know, 600 bucks. The cost of the original PS three, you know, like, the value of your game is not determined by how long it takes to develop. And I also don't think it should be determined by how long it takes to finish it. Cause a lot of people will base their purchase decisions on, you yeah. know, Oh, I've heard people recently say like, like recently that uh, like 20 hours in a game for 60 bucks is it's not worth it, which blows my mind. Yeah. I mean, just retro cartridge games are like, you know, unless it's RPGs, hour and a half, pretty much all under ten hours. Like you know, if, if you're sitting there and just playing it, you can uh, play the original Mario in like forty minutes. Yeah, yeah. You and that game that, costs like fifty five bucks. You get to that third world and do the couple warps, you can beat it. But no, that, I'm I mean, that's like speed running versus, uh, you know, speed running versus just regular playthrough. I mean, right. Ground right. Zero is just five minutes long. I mean, I would yeah. rather. No, that's not what I, I mean. Rather pay more for a, a good short game than less for a bad long one. Right. Well, that's the, the problem with like all this filler stuff that they're doing right now. Like, that's my problem with Final Fantasy VII right now. Is just that there you all have. these things feel like they were in there for padding to add extra length because the story beats. Like, if I did skip all that side shit, I'd be like, oh wow, this is. But even the 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 things that I'm doing in the filler bits, I'm like, ah, this isn't relevant at all this is bad did you get to the part where you have to move Aerith around on those giant robot hands yep oh you got to that that made me want to rage quit right there there was one of them that like didn't want to go into the slot like I I had it on the right thing but it was like it would not fit in that little yellow thing and I eventually got it but it was like buggy I I know exactly what part you're talking about that was one of the worst mini games I've ever played and you need mini games to break up the monotony. Yeah, you know? I have enjoyed the mini games. I will say that I I blew out wedge on the dartboard. I got a I got it in six. Um, nice. Busted out forty five squats. Busted you know took out all. I those hate guys. that squat mini game. That thing can go to hell, dude. I I like killed it. I don't know. Like I I just had that like rhythm in my head and was imagining picking up a drum roll faster and faster and faster. And I used to do it in high school, so it was just like, oh, I got this shit. Yeah, that, I mean, know, that's that's all fine. I think we are so far removed from 1990s style yeah. game design that nobody making yeah. games nowadays, at least not in AAA circles, has any idea how to do puzzles or mini games right. They, they just have yeah. no comprehension of why they worked in old games. 
They were they were like flavor text, you know. They weren't big events. They were just like, okay, you're right. playing the game. Up, oh, do this thing real quick. Okay, back to the game. But now everything yeah. has to have this fanfare to it. You know, mm-hmm. the, I think the squats and the pull ups are a good example of that. Yeah, I I thought that was a terrible it's, mini it's not game. Fun. I, it's a, it's a distraction. Yeah. Whereas like the the golden saucer mini games, like when you played those all in the arcade, you're like, yeah, this is fun. I'm gonna spend some tokens in here. This is great. Yeah, I didn't think snowboarding was fun in the original FF Seven, but it was it was a cool it was a cool distraction. It yeah. was it was very hastily put together. You could tell Chocobo Racing Two, same thing. It was it's just like oh here's a little distraction. You know, it's it's not meant to be like a huge set piece or anything like that just to break the monotony of grinding mobs for, for 70 hours. So yeah, like I just finished that one side quest where you have to like literally go back and forth, uh, on wall street, like 10 times. And it was like, you know what I'm talking about? I was like, you got to help my old man. He wants to go to the honeybee Inn and he's drunk, but you got to go here for, and I was just like, what the fuck am I doing? Uh, the game is full of that. that side mission. So. Yeah, I, that happens like what three or four times, I think. It feels like the Yakuza development team is like doing this. That's it, it feels weird. Like the 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 city characters and like it, the way that they're all acting. It's like this isn't how I imagine this at all. It's like goofy, yeah. like Yakuza. I totally the the FF Seven remake. It um it's all over the place. Yeah, it, n- none of the parts I felt had any cohesion that blended into into a whole like the 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 costumes of avalanche they don't make any sense i don't understand why they're wearing this like medieval looking armor while barrett's wearing military gear he has dog tags so maybe he was a member of the military but it's it doesn't the the way the military works in this world doesn't make any sense because everything's privately owned by shinra right so and and everything's holographic so why does he have these old school looking dog tags <laughs> and then and then like if you look at the guards the shinra guards they have this futuristic 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 high tech ass alien armor yeah. and then the m- members of avalanche they're all these they're kids they're like a bunch of teenagers wearing wearing costume gear from like i feel like the the gear that bigs wedge and jesse wear actually came from the costume department at Golden Saucer. You know, you're you're touching on an issue here that I think is is kind of the the best way to sum up what's off about the remake because a, a lot of this is kind of the consequence of taking a game that was vague visually to begin with and trying to ground it in the real world. Final Fantasy 7 was a goofy game with serious moments. Final Fantasy right. VII Remake is a serious game with goofy moments. Good point. Yeah. Yeah. Days haven't heard from you in a while. Any thoughts? Um, I actually haven't started this, haven't played as much Remake as I'd like to, but, you know, I'm still playing Therapist for my friends, so. That was another game that got uh, data mined early on when the demo came out and people were pulling out a lot of uh, early spoilers for things. The, not the not the enormous one that uh, Fingers is going right. to find out here soon. Um, I think I know it. I think I already had it spoiled, but I don't want to say it. But. I mean, you can, if you're paying attention, you can kind of see it coming, especially if you're familiar with the original. 
I guess yeah, I wasn't paying attention. I didn't get it until I had I had to have uh, a video explain it to me. The, and the reason why is because like the the hooded figures that float around and att- attack you from time to time, I thought they were related to reunion, yeah. which would it would it, I thought that made perfect sense. Like those were reunionites. That's what I thought too. But no. And it's so funny because man, my wife I love her, but God, she can be so annoying with how good she is at, at spotting this stuff. Uh, I, without getting into the specifics of what the what those are, by about the second or third time you saw them, she was like, I bet they're this. Damn. And, and, and I was like, really? You think that's what it is? I guess I can see that. And she's like, yep, oh, that's, just watch. That's what it'll be. And she was spot on. Damn. And I was like, that's amazing. Cannot, just, she does that all the time. It's really annoying. <laughs> yeah. Because I didn't get any of that at all. I thought like, oh, okay, this is just, you know, they're trying to get Cloud to, you know, go get his uh, freaking Genova cells back to the planet or, or some shit. It's okay. I get her back and by pointing out voice actors that she doesn't recognize. So I'll be like, yep, President Shinra, that's Skullface. Nice. And we got Badger from Breaking Bad. I, I didn't like him. Telling us that he's hungry. That's still fucking me up. Yeah, I, I didn't. Uh, I mean, I liked uh, his character, but I, I just... Yeah, Avalanche is just friggin' weird, man. Avalanche is lame as fuck in this game. That's Jesse's annoying as shit. Psych. Uh, Really? Like, are we doing that in this game? Okay, if we're we're gonna air grievances here, I gotta tell you my number one grievance for this game, and it's a dumb grievance. It It is an extremely dumb grievance, but I can't get over it. I hated that you could not take the pinball machine elevator down into Avalanche headquarters in Tifa's bar. Yeah, that pissed oh me off. Oh, my God. I yeah, so I thought mad. I was missing something. Now that you mention it, that's a that's a huge problem. I can't get over it. I thought I, I missed my opportunity, I, you know, because I decided to, to stay at the bar uh, during that part. I didn't, yeah, I, I thought, you know, I, I missed my chance, but but no, it's, it's gone. But Unforgivable. Well, okay. The things that the game does right. I think the game is beautiful. It's a it's a great looking game. And it uh I, I like the, the the aspect of of it increasing my understanding of, of the original. Like I didn't know about the uh, the sun lamps that uh was I mean it, I always wondered like how do they get light down here? They're growing plants. There's ve- there's ve- there's vegetation. How do they do that when there's literally this plate above them blocking the sun? And oh, sun lamps. I guess I missed that part when I played the game what 15 years ago. So, you know, being able to to explore more of of Midgar that's always good. Uh cuz I I like Midgar as a setting. I think it's just the but, people they have all over Midgar is the problem. It's it's mainly like the the people and characters, not so much the setting and the set pieces. Like they all look great. It's just I don't like how the characters are acting. Really. I it's genuinely love the battle system in this game. Yeah. I just wish you had more of an opportunity to explore with it, or ex, you know explore the nuance of it. And it feels like That's, right at yeah the, that was something that bothered me. Right at the end of the game, it's it's starting to finally click, and you can see how everything sort of works together, and all of the and all of the various mechanics sort of interact with each other. But then you're, you know, the game's over at that point. Um, playing it again on hard, I'm definitely getting more out of it. it so okay. I'm, so I'm, I'm wondering when we get part two of this thing, if, uh, if everything we've done in this is going to carry over or not. Like, yeah, good question. Like, are they going to do a mass effect where we make. can just load our save file up and get all of our items and level progress? 
Now that would be ideal. But to just continue save and go from there. But there's no way that part yeah. But what choices do you PS5 make that could game. change it? Right. Yeah. Absolutely. There was a way that they did that with, uh, I think, the Telltale games. Oh, okay. Where you had to like import your save from another system, and like you basically like upload it to their server, and then you would be playing the game, and then you log in with the Telltale account, and then it would be like, oh, these are the choices you made. We have the they, right. Uh, oh, they I did gotcha. that with Destiny too, where you could move over a guardian, or at least the achievements of the guardian. Oh wow! But then they shut down those servers, the Telltale servers, and then. I tried to play that final episode and had to create a new story. So that was kind of like A lot of the music. But that's, that's the way around it. That's how they do it. It's just like if you don't have a pre-save thing, then you just tell it what you would have done in those couple of choices. And then it's like, okay, we get it. Yeah, Mass Effect did yeah. that. Yeah. A lot of the um, – I was going to say a lot of the music in, in the remake is pretty stellar too. Yes. Oh, yeah. Music's, music's great. Yeah. Some of the, mu- the remixes don't – Hit very hard, yeah, but, the, um, but some are amazing. The uh, the Wall Market remix just grates my ears. Yeah, Wall Market was bad. Um, I did like the uh, the Sector Five slums with the that's the one with the bass, right? Yeah, that was cool. Oh yeah, yeah, nah, yeah. I like the that big one. crescendo, like right before it all cuts out. Just God, that's <laughs> that's fucking money right there. The um. The soundtrack, the uh, the composer for Ace Combat contributed to it, uh, oh, Keiki nice. Kobayashi, and uh, it's not a hundred percent confirmed that this is the track he worked on. But there's a battle later on in the game against an enemy called the Valkyrie, and yeah. it has one of the best battle themes in the game, and it's it sounds like it was ripped straight out of Ace Combat. So I'm <laughs> betting that's what it was. Just the battle music in this game is unbelievable. Didn't like the motorcycle music. That was one where I was like, yeah, oh, that I one was a little weak. On they they do a better job later on with that. Okay, it's good. not the only remix. Um, it seems like almost. I was about to say this is a second variation. Yeah, it seems like any battle theme that gets used regularly throughout the game has variations throughout the game. So like, though, those yeah. who fight further, the 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 boss theme for Final Fantasy VII has like. Yep. I swear it's got like five different versions in the game that you'll hear. Yeah, I've heard a lot so far. And uh, the one against the Airbuster is just nuts. Is it's like they they I elevated did. my last fight that I did was the house. Oh god, I that house. house! Yeah, that was tricky oh, to figure man, out. Man, that is a hard boss. I am not looking forward to fighting that thing on hard. When you when you play on hard, they disable items. Right. I don't think I've used an item yet. Um, to be honest. Oh, you will. Okay, cool, but I've, I I am a very conservative item You know, I've heard a lot of people saying that they didn't use items in their playthrough, and I relied on them constantly, so maybe I just suck. Phoenix Downs, mm. I would, like, use only in situations, and then, like, I would get a game over, and I'd be like, I can do it. I can do it better. Like, that's kind of how my mind yeah. works. I'm like, I don't need to use a fucking Phoenix Down during that fight. Let me reload and do this better. Like, because I'm fucking up. So, that's Th- that is how amazing. I play those games. Because I had no desire to ever do anything a second time in that game. <laughs> and that's, and it's, you know, it's weird because in the original FF seven, I spent a, a tremendous amount of time just grinding and, you know, yeah. and bat, doing battles to level up not only my characters, but all my materia. But, you know, in this game, it's, you, it's really difficult to get duplicates of the same materia. It can yeah. be done, but it's, it's not easy. It's not as easy as it was in the in the original game, and it's not as fun 
uh, the, I think it's an interesting idea that you have to search for special material and that like it's hidden in the level. Like, oh, the, uh, you know, here's a a summon over here, and you're trying to turn off these lamps. Yeah, they um it's fucking lamps. The materia doesn't reproduce or whatever the term is when when you master it either. Right. See, that's what it, that's what I was missing. Uh, I I wanted magnify, to reproduce the magnify materia is one of the most useful ones in the game, and you only get one. Right. Do you get more than one uh, elemental? Uh, th- yeah. Yeah, you can get more like fire and ice, and you can buy those no, I freely. Think he means but elemental, you know, like the the blue one, the materia called elemental. Oh right, yeah, right, right. So yeah, I, I got, I had two. Cool. Yeah, I've only got the one so far. I'm like, come on. Yeah, it's like if you have a because here's the thing, right? If you have a playstyle that that works for you or that you enjoy, and you have to, you're switching characters because they're not going to going to do anything on your own well I, you know you're not able to really maximize your your builds yeah. to to your liking because you you have limited materia so um yeah so that was another thing where it's just like it when you i have a you have a tough a tough difficult i wanted to say difficult when you have a difficult boss fight <laughs> and you die I didn't want to do that again. So I, I used the crap out of Phoenix Downs. You know, I would go to the shop and buy the maximum number of, uh, of, of elixirs and Phoenix Downs. I mean, and, and potions that I could, but, um, I think oh, I was traumatized problem. one time, uh, by like an RPG of like not having enough money to like buy the new weapons when you like arrived in town. So I was like, right, oh, no, right. I can't be buying, I can't be buying items. I need those new weapons and gear. And just, I, I was just always like the kind of person that would sit around a bench and grind and get my, you know, HP and MP restored that way versus spending the money at the end. Like, I kind of wish that. I could grind in this game. You know, it's, <laughs> yeah, there's not too many places to do it. It holds yeah, your hands. It can be done. But it's not fun. This game and so many modern games hold your hands so tightly by logging every quest step that you have. Um, right. Instructing you on every single thing that you're supposed to do. And if you come to a part of the game where you're going to, you know, you won't be able to save or go back. It's going to warn you in advance. Like, stop putting up the guardrails all the time and just let it be what it is because I think it would be a better experience overall if you didn't constantly have the game like tempering your expectations. Like, okay, well, if you if you go through this door, there's there, there, there's going to be a tough boss, so you might want to save and buy some items. But you can get it right back there at the vending machine. It'll be okay. Like, stop <laughs> it. Yeah. Just yeah, and having the waypoints everywhere too kind of makes it just like. I know you can turn them off, but it's like you know. it's like it feels like designers are afraid of the player dying almost and and having to go. Well, that sucked. Let me go back and do it again. Like, do they think they're going to yeah. stop? I playing would be and afraid. Take it back I wouldn't have st- played it if in that it, case. It's funny that you say that because I, you know, going back to me being re-engaged with Resident Evil, I actually started playing the RE One remake, and that was such a nice. such a jarring but refreshing experience. Just being like thrown into the Spencer Mansion. No waypoints. It's just you and Barry. I played the Jill campaign, by the way. You know, there are some nice. points. There are some points nice. in the first ten minutes where you could you could get Jill killed immediately and inevitably uh, because you didn't know what you were doing. And like you said, I just reset, started all over again. Well, to be fair, I did know I was going to get Jill killed. What I didn't know was that it was hard to aim with the mouse and keyboard <laughs> with the tank controls. So I let one of the dogs in. You know, a little Easter egg where you open the door and the dog jumps in. 
I was like, cool, I, I want to see yeah. the dog. And, like, I couldn't name it the dog and yeah. he killed me. But uh, do they think that, like, do they think people are going to take the game back and get a refund if they have a bad experience because they weren't prepared for something that they didn't expect? I mean, just let your game breathe a bit. We'll have more respect for it. You know, I've, I I appreciate the first yeah. Resident Evil, and I'll remember it much more fondly than I will the, the RE2 remake. Right, definitely. The original Resident Evil remake, I didn't mind going back because you're not really losing that much progress in most cases uh, if you're if you're playing smartly. But in FF7 remake, I felt like so many things were an unnecessary chore. Like once you're done with a battle, and if your party's HP is low, healing them all back to full health so that you can go through the the rest of the dungeon is it's a huge task. It takes like, you know, a minute. You can't, unlike the original or most JRPGs like Persona or, or you can't just go into a menu and use the heal spell over and over. You have to individually select the item or the cure spell. Yeah. And that drove me insane. So a lot of this is quality of life stuff though. They're very, if they can just like sand down some of the rough edges here, that yeah, being right. one of them. You know, I thought of a good I thought of a good analogy for what I meant earlier with with um, the hand holding. You know, even if I am a pro bowler and will never need them, I still don't want the bumpers there. Right. That's that's sure. kind of how I feel. Sorry. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Uh, you know, the game here, it's it's ironic, right? Because the game does hold your hand like you're a useless puppy dog who you need everything hand fed to you like you're incapable of doing anything on your yeah. own and yet and yet despite all that the game is specifically made for for fans of the original and not newcomers if you're right. if you're if you've never played ff7 before avoid this game at all yeah, costs it's uh, going back when, when y'all talked about that that time, yeah this is a separate game this is a sequel or whatever yeah. but it, this is no replacement for Right, OG. like no, like the original the original game is required viewing. You can't yeah. just go into this blind. I, f- I feel bad so, for the people who bought this with the expectation. Oh, I can see like what my friends were all about. Like, yeah. and it's like you imagine getting right. to the oh, end I finally and being get like, to jump on the hype train. Everybody love this. It doesn't make any sense. Right. Welcome to Metal Gear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> people who started the game. With I four. started with the Phantom Pain, so. To be fair, right. though, Metal Gear didn't really have this problem until four. Well, and that's the thing, though, is is that a lot of people's first Metal Gear game was four because oh. that was like the most hyped game in the series. PS3, yeah, seller. that's a problem. Yeah, it, it was, you know, because and it's weird, right? Because all of the consecutive sequels, you know, if you do it right, they'll sell more than the the previous game. So it's like. It's it's weird that in FF7 remake they chose to completely alienate new players because but you is know. that also a strategy for them to be like well if you want to do that then buy the original too and like you know make two purchases oh you wanted to play the original sorry that's not what this is but we have that for sale right now actually so if you're interested I think it well, I think it wasn't even in consideration for them yeah. 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 Cause the thing about that is, is that if you don't know what's going on in the remake, you have to know that you would know what's going on if you played the original. True. And so, and they don't tell you, like, hey, you're not going to get this, but if you had played the first game, it would totally make sense. You know, it would have been like the biggest marketing difference is just 
capital R, lowercase e, capital M, a key. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, just do that little bit of font difference instead of just all capital or, you know, whatever. So even more Kingdom Hearts. Sure. But I'm saying (laughs) that would have actually made that marketing distinction of like, wait, this doesn't, this isn't just a remake. It's something. Yeah. It's it's the title. It's a play on words. I don't even know if it's a play on words. It's, it's a double meaning. Yeah. Mm, Yeah. I guess. It's a use of the word in a way that unless English was not your first language, you wouldn't think about. Yeah, got it. So now the question is, what if Konami did this with Metal Gear 1 and 2? And it was uh, like a, it was was technically a separate game that maybe referenced the originals, but like you, you had to have knowledge of the entire series to get into the the remake or I have or else you'd just be lost more metal gear knowledge in my head than I am uh comfortable admitting and I would hate that yeah like, I agree <sighs> I don't know I I think I've I've come to a point with metal gear now where the references and callbacks have have folded in on them themselves so many times now that I just want something detached and standalone. You know, I was talking, yeah, I was talking to a friend uh, recently. He's been streaming all the games. Uh, fingers, you know him. Nourish Psych. Yeah. On YouTube. Yeah, we're all buddies. Um, I was talking to him one night. Uh, he was streaming, and he was playing Peace Walker. And we were talking about how all of the, the characters are, you know, they're related or, that you know, they, they're important in some way. No character just stands alone and you know, is, is for that one particular entry. And, you know, everybody is, is important to, to something Um, like, Oh, here's Sigint. No, it's a DARPA chief. Anyway. So we're talking about this and then a cutscene pops up and then Amanda starts talking and I'm like, wait a second. Amanda was, I actually regretted that Amanda wasn't featured in a future Metal Gear game. Because uh, there was enough opportunity for her to show up in five, considering Chico was there, but then she was just in uh, Camille also. But but all the characters in Peace Walker, they just felt like bit characters, especially Chico. But then he comes back and he dies, and it's like, what? What's going on here? Yeah, it seems weird. Kind of strange to take this flagship game like Metal Gear Solid Five and base its story so tightly around probably the one of the most least played canon Metal Gear titles. Yeah, uh, yeah, a lot of it is banked in on, on Peace Walker for sure. Yeah, like between Snake Eater and, uh, you know, Portable Outs and Peace Walker, that's a, that's a big window of change yeah. for Big Boss. It's like Kingdom Hearts where, like, the main series games are starting to rely on plots from, like, the mobile and Gaiden games. Uh, oh, right, yeah. right. That's uh, that drives me up a wall, but uh, yeah, well, fingers, you'll you'll see. Yeah, you're you're gonna have your Kingdom Hearts moment soon. Yeah, I'm getting there. <laughs> That's I just find myself putting it down. Like I'm like, yeah, I've played enough for today. I'm go- like I'm not being driven into the next. I'm just like, ah, okay, I did enough, and I am like doing all the side quests. So that's you know that could be why, but. I just yeah. don't have like a lot of drive to like. I'm like, yeah, I guess we'll go get Tifa. We'll rescue her. But let me go talk to this old man in a bar real quick. 
Right. Yeah, definitely just going through the motions. And I, yeah, I I'm just not excited about any it. of it. It hasn't been like a cool side quest where I'm like, oh, that was fun or funny. I'm just like, oh, these are very basic fetch quests that I'm just, they're not written into the plot or anything really. It's just like, hey, I need some batteries. I'm like, okay. Again, I think that's that's kind <laughs> of the the fault of the fact that nobody seems to know how to un, how to design side quests or puzzles or anything like that anymore. You look at at 7 remake, you've got a quest screen that lists every single step you need to take for a thing and every single one is pretty yeah. much a fest a fetch quest. You know, you oh, you might have to press a button while you're doing it, but essentially it's go get the thing, bring back the thing. Go find out the thing and come back and talk about the thing. Whereas in the original there was nothing like that. There was no linear quest structure. It was somebody might no. mention a thing, and then when you're somewhere else in the game, you might hear about something that reminds you of that thing, and you go do like four or five different things that might not even seem related to that first thing, but still somehow yeah. bring you back around eventually. And like, unless you're you, you're not thinking about it in a checklist format, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, like, how are they going to handle unlocking Vincent? Jesus, like... That. He's going to be <laughs> mandatory. Turn the, These characters are going to be... Turn the safe. Here's the combo code. Here's how to mm-hmm. work a lockpick. I, I think... Here's how to do I it. I can't remember if I um read this in an interview or if I'm, I'm just thinking they were going to do this. I, I want to say I read somewhere that they've said that Yuffie and Vincent are going to be mandatory in the future games. Yeah, it sucks. Watch them do a nightmare scenario. They're unplayable, like uh, Red Thirteen. Yeah, I don't know if that's a spoiler for you yet, fingers. But I mean, I'm I'm aware of that. He's not playable. Well, they've said he's going to be in the next one, right? And that's fine if it is. I mean, you could tell even in the menu that it was only going to ever be four playable people. Like, there's not enough room for another person. There is legit somebody who has been like modifying FF7 for PS4 and just. They've they've already got Red Thirteen quasi playable. <laughs> right, I've seen that. He has like no moves, but it works. That's great. Good luck to those guys. Godspeed, data miners. What else did we have on the uh, topic list? Uh, there was something yeah, else that um, we we're going to talk about Metal Gear cut content and data mining, but we're like an hour and forty one minutes. Yeah, in. we're an hour forty right now. We can we can save that for another. Oh. Man. Session for sure. I've got like a laundry list of things to talk about there. Yeah, I've been like holding off on talking about some shit. Now I'm gonna bottle up again. Man, <laughs> what? I mean, I, I if you wanted to like vent for we five can, yeah, minutes, we can keep rolling. Uh, you know, I'm just saying we're at 145. It's a good place to see, stop this combo. Oh. See, this is this is podcast remake, but part two is when it really opens up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey guys, welcome to Kojima Frequency. Here we go. <laughs> So uh, the one thing that I wanted to bring up, and this was this is me just like mind blown, and this for all I know this could be completely just conjecture and bullshit. Uh, so I just realized, so you know the ice cubes in Metal Gear Solid Two, how if you shoot at them and they they start melting, but then some ice cubes melt like faster when they're independent compared to ice cubes that are together. Yeah. So, you know, like, everybody was like, oh, man, I can't believe they thought about putting that detail in and stuff like that. Like, Kojima's so detailed and works so hard. And, you know, he does work hard. But I I looked at it from a software development perspective. And I, again, this is just complete conjecture. But I was wondering if maybe that was just a rudimentary implementation of the guard code in a sense that, you know, the Gerlukovic soldiers, they behave differently when there's just one of them, like a lone wolf, you know, scared of snake, whereas there's a whole group of glucovid shoulders, you know, their logic, their algorithm changes. 
with the ice, you know, if it's independent, it has a different behavior than the ice that is together. So maybe right. that was just like a rudimentary implementation of the, you know, the Galukovich guys are originally ice cubes. That, that's my, that's my argument. <laughs> that's, that's, um, I, I, I want to respond to that without, you know, being like, like I'm pandering to you. Um, I mean, is that like a solidus reference though? Because like, what do you mean? It's like that state in between them freezing and being an ice cube and being liquid. And I don't know, <laughs> no, I'm talking about. No, ice. I think people are are putting way too much attention on on ice cubes. You know, well, here's the thing: like when it's you a make problem. a big game like that, when you have a big game like that, and you have tons of people working on it, you're gonna have people putting uh, putting things in that the director has no idea about until until they see it and say, "Hey, what do you think of this?" Um, because there's there's a lot of downtime where you're expected to do work, and if you're working in the game industry, you're most likely doing it as a passion project. You know, if you're especially if you're a software developer, you could be making money working for like Adobe or you know or films. You take a huge pay cut when you work on games, so there are times where you're you're just like trying it's trying stuff out and and implementing them in the game just to see if you can get it to work, and then you'll show it to your boss and say, "Hey, what do you think of this?" So the the fact that the ice cubes they melt at different rates depending on how close they are together that doesn't sound like something a game director would come up with because like think about it what implications does that have on the game as a whole people are yeah all right people are analyzing this 10 years later or you know 20 years after your game comes out but i mean I honestly, I don't see them when I, when I look at those ice cubes melting, they don't actually look like they're melting. They're just getting smaller and it's really easy to, to code it in a way where like, depending on the proximity of another ice cube, it gets smaller at, uh, at a, at a longer rate. Um, so I, you know, I, I think we just should be careful about attributing that to, was that Kojima's? Did he like actively tell people, "Hey, I, I need you guys to get on this," like he did with the uh, the the pinup posters on the lockers? Because he, you know, he he said uh, there was an interview where he said, um, "Yeah, you know, I told my, uh, you know, the the sound team, you know, when you knock on the on her breast, it should make a boyoing noise." And then he went to play a build later, and he's like, "Hey, why didn't you implement that that thing that I was telling telling you guys about?" And they thought he was joking. So that did happen, but I would really like, really like to talk to whoever's responsible for actually implementing the ice cubes melting before I was like, oh wow, the, like, look at the, cause that's, that you only see it in that one spot. It doesn't appear anywhere else in the game. So sounds like that was just some, some guy playing around with the, uh, with the, with the tools. If it were anywhere else in the map, I would agree. Um, but that room got a ridiculous amount of attention. You know, there was an there's there was an interesting um, method to coming up with a lot of these ideas that they would do uh, in KCEJ, and I'm, I'm trying to remember it as best as I can. But from what I recall, it was uh, everybody on staff would carry around a notebook, and if they had an idea, they would just write it down in the notebook. And then I think it was hmm. once a week when they had their staff meetings, they would roundtable with everybody who had those notebooks and just throw ideas out and see if anybody, you know, thought it was good, see what they, what could come of it. And 
I'm fairly certain that the bomb disposal aspect of the game, where you're going around and spraying things with the with the freeze spray, came out of that. So okay. it's, it's hard telling how much of that just came from just roundtable discussion. They were spitballing a lot of ideas for Metal Gear Solid 2. At one point they That's I mean, good. at one point they were talking about can we make a controller that changes temperature so that we can have some sort of a mini game based on it. Right. Yeah. And in that type of development yeah. I, I definitely think is it's the best way to go, especially when you have tons of people working on a project. Yeah. And a lot of things got uh, cut communications too. Communications key. Uh, I was talking to, to Days a bit on Twitter about this, but originally when the tanker sank, and you can see this in early trailers, there was going to be an escape sequence where, you know, the water's rushing in and the tanker's sinking and you're running away from the water to get out. And they, hmm, in, yeah, yeah, in right. early phases, this was playable, but it ended up getting cut for the simple reason of, well, was it wasn't fun. You would run. I had right. to argue with someone that that remembered the game as as that happening, and I was like, "Dude, wait, what?" They remembered <laughs> what that that happening in the game, and I was sitting there and I was like, "No, man, that that never happened." They're like, "Yeah, I remember, you know, all the water coming." I was like, "I think you saw that in a trailer, but that's not in the game." And they swore that it was, and I was just like, "Okay, dude, whatever." Fucking you ask it is the programmer in the game in Raiden's cutscene. Yeah, it's men. <laughs> no, I mean it is technically in the game, Just but not like it's that. not a playable. Sequence. It's not playable. But no, there yeah, is footage of a playable version of that segment. Yeah, but. I do remember the. But he he insisted that it was in the game still, yeah, and I was not. like, man. But it wasn't I, fun. I, I don't know where it we're was. At. Essentially, yeah. like a like almost a QTE where you run, and if you don't run well enough, you die and you start over. And they were like, oh well, this is boring. Let's just cut it. Yeah, and I think my response to you with that, it was it was amazing that Kojima Productions figured that out in like 2000. And yet game right. designers are still using that like that trope when folks are playing. So frustrating. Yeah, it's it just wasn't fun. And um, God, so much got got shelved in, in, in older Metal Gear games, too. Um, one idea that they were I can't remember if this made it into any sort of build or if it was tested, if it was just on paper. But um, at one point, an idea was that when you are playing as Raiden and you're swimming through the big shell areas that have been flooded, sharks would have worked their way in and would have been blocking Ooh. off sections. And to get them to move away from sections you needed to go into, you would need to intentionally injure yourself to leave blood in the water to lure them away. That that part actually sounds cool. Like the way to get them to do it is to injure yourself. Yeah. But fuck having sharks during that section on top of that already poorly made section. Yeah. I mean, it's like the Ninja Turtles NES game, like adding in the uh, the timer right. and the electric plants. It's just too much at that point. It's already difficult. So I mean, there's a, there's a lot wow. that went through. You know, just different cycles of development and testing different things, and all of these games have had different stages and different aspects cut out because they just didn't you know gel with the rest of the game for some reason or another i mean and kudos to the companies for even showing us that shit you know like that's when when konami did show us all the stuff you know from the episode 53 it was like oh yeah. man thanks i appreciate y'all didn't have to show us that damn and, but then everybody's like why didn't it in the full game what the fuck yeah, and, I'm and like, that started ah, the conversations it, about like oh metal gear solid 5 isn't finished and it's most yeah. that is one of the most irritating talking points I have ever encountered in this fandom because Agreed. it MGS five's biggest sin was bad timing. Had this game yeah. come out 
detached from the controversy at Konami, we wouldn't be having this conversation. It would. Yeah, I disagree to to an extent. I mean, I'm not going to elaborate, but please continue. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, the the one okay. There's a few things that people point to here when they talk about MGS5 being unfinished. One is the obvious one, you know, the elephant in the room, which is the Kingdom of the Flies scenario, which has been on more than one occasion explained as DLC. It was intended as DLC from day one and was canceled. It was not part of the core game. It was not something that was going to be like the last chapter, and then they decided to not include it because of a lack of time. It was in development, and then somewhere around a year to eight months before the game came out, they decided to scrap the DLC plans. Possibly in response to what was going to happen, but it was never intended as a part of the core game. So that's one. Two is the title card that was leaked from the game, if you've ever seen that. The chapter, th- chapter, chapter three, three piece. Mm. Now, okay, I got to be careful what I say here. I have it on some authority that that title card was intended to be used in a very specific way. And Ooh. feel free to not believe a word of what I'm saying here. I'm not asking so much for believability as clarification. Um, okay. So from what the words you're saying, what I gathered is that it wasn't purposely used as a way to like, as, as like a, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like an increment to the story. Uh, it or was like symbolic. It was symbolic in a sense that it, it, it sells like a plot point rather Chapter than actually three, splitting up a story. Right. Chapter three piece was not an entirely different segment of the game. You were supposed to see that the, in, the original intent. I don't, I can't say why it wasn't used in this fashion. I have my own thoughts on why, but I can't say I don't know why it wasn't used, but the intent originally uh, seems to have been that it would show up once disarmament was achieved, and it would be effectively like a, a new chapter for humanity. It wasn't a new chapter of gameplay. It was, you've entered a new chapter in the story of the world because nukes are now gone. Enjoy peace, but now you have to work to maintain that peace, and so the war continues even after you've done all your work. Uh, that's the way I'd always, yeah. you know, seen it as. It's just like, that hey, when we intent. hit, when we hit the, when we hit the nuke count to zero, we're we're gonna be in the peace phase, and then, yeah, we did it. Exactly. And, yeah, I never saw that as like, oh man, there was ten more missions left after that. Yeah, no, like, it was never anything know. like that. The the thing that people will complain about, I think that made it so weird was just those repeat missions with the extra difficulty yeah. being an extension of the main. You know, it's like, wait, no, those. Maybe throw those in at the end once you finish the story. Well, that kind but of that placement of like, wait, did I beat it? Wait, did, uh, I guess I beat it. Shit. Well, it was that weird, unsatisfactory feeling. That sort of leads into the third part of why people yeah. feel as though it's unfinished, and that it's it's the game does kind of leave you with that feeling of there are things missing, and this is when we get into that really irritating debate of you know. Does it intentionally... That was intentional. Right, you know, yeah. because that that does kind of lend itself to the whole metagame aspect of this where, you know, you feel like things are missing because it's the phantom pain and yada, yada, yada. And, you know, it's... It's, it's kind of hard to put into words here, but the fact that, that they had certain aspects of the game that didn't work for some reason or another 
and decided to remove them is not evidence of a game being unfinished. So consider for a moment this possibility, okay? That one, Metal Gear Solid Five is a finished game. Two, it feels unfinished, which is of debatable narrative benefit. And three, the unfinished feeling was to an extent unintentional. Those three things are not mutually exclusive. Yeah. It's entire, you know, it's some of you, sometimes you just have to admit that something didn't land well. You know, and and I think a lot of people don't want to don't want to humor the idea that either Kojima made if Kojima made exactly the game he wanted to make, then it wouldn't then I would be 100% satisfied. Because because I love the previous games, and I don't want to think that maybe I just didn't like this one. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I don't know. For me, like, I, I felt satisfied, you know, after playing all the tapes and after taking everything in, I was like, all right, cool. I got enough yeah. out of that one. I got enough plot points. I got enough connections and analogies to this being the analog version of Nano Machines, and, like, cool. That was neat. I finished you know? it, and like, I enjoyed it, and I had my gripes, yeah. but it gave me a sense of closure for the franchise that I didn't get from MGS4, and I appreciated yeah. that. Yeah, and the, the whole Venom Snake, you know, being the the guy that you killed at MG1. Like, yeah. that was the big reveal for me that I was like, fucking worth it, like, because that didn't make sense. It's like, In oh, a- Big Boss is back around the second time. I was like, wait, no. You had an airstrike fall on your ass. Like In a meta sense, <laughs> I really liked the sentiment of Metal Gear saying, you know, the only way you're going to be done with this and the only way I'm going to be done with this, you know, if Kojima's kind of speaking through the game like he sometimes does, is if we just kind of put the gun down and stop yeah. instead of constantly going through these, this cycle over and over. And over. You know, it's, it's, it's very kind of like War Games-ish where the only winning move is not to play. That's, yep. that's what I got out of it, and I was like, okay, I'm done. And I turned the game off, and I and I haven't gone back to it in quite a while. Yeah, I, I started up a second playthrough on PS4 just to kind of go through it again and be a little more lethal and have a little more fun with some of the systems and stuff. But I, yeah, I just I never felt unfinished. Cut content, sure, might have had some stuff cut, yeah. but that's, you know, if you and, look at Final Fantasy 15, all the stuff that's cut from that, gee, like that was a whole other oh, yeah. game, a whole other plot, a whole, like, damn but you know i still enjoyed what they put out and that's you know ideas are going to get cut things are going to get changed studios are going to make things you know stricter and not have all the ideas that you wanted but i I got nothing to say because uh i'm gonna burn a bunch of bridges if i open my mouth so i'm just gonna (laughs) shut up um but really the the, the point of argument isn't whether it's good or not it's whether it's finished or not and and i don't think it's as debatable as people like to pretend it is when you've got, I mean, yes, you know, you can have Konami representatives make statements that say, of course, the game is finished. And you can be like, well, of course they would say that. Like, OK, well, that's a that's a non-starter. Thank you for your contribution to this conversation. Um, but when you have <laughs> the game's writers as well coming out and saying, yeah, this was kind of this was our intent. This was what we wanted to make intentionally. This is what we felt it meant. And I've seen some people say that they think it's not finished, but that's not the case. I... What do you want? Yeah. How can we prove it to you? Like, what would it take for them to say for you to believe you can't. it? Nothing? Okay, we're done Exactly. Here. It's, it's, it's either we <laughs> look at the evidence we have and follow that evidence to a conclusion, or we're not really having a conversation. Yeah, you just really don't want to believe what I'm saying right. to you right now. <laughs> TLDR, MGS5 wasn't unfinished. You just didn't like it. 
Yep. Nice. Uh, yeah, right. uh, I agree. I, it, it was finished, and I didn't Fair like enough. it. Uh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> GG. I think that's a good place to call it, everybody. Cool. That's two hours of footage we got it's here. It's been real, folks. Yeah, we can talk more cut content and other stuff next Stay time. Stay tuned for, sure. for a remake part two.